Welcome to our Exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets Update for Friday, March 13th. Each week, we sit down with leaders across the firm to get a quick take on the markets. I'm Jake Seward, and today's guest is Alex Blanchard of our Global Market Division. Good morning, Alex, and welcome to the program. Morning, Jake. Thanks for having me. So, Alex, just quickly explain your role here at the firm and who your main clients are. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm responsible for the for the firm's global short-term rates and repo business. You know, we we typically interact with large institutional clients uh, across the levered space, so large asset managers and hedge funds, as well as large money market funds in the in the two A seven complex. All right. Well, um, s- since the repo market's been in the headlines, give me a just a quick uh, overview of of what's happening in that market in recent weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we saw early signs of pressure over the last couple of weeks, and and while you know, much of that was was manifesting itself kind of away from the the part of the market that most people had been focused, most specifically the overnight repo market, I think there was there was a period of time when perhaps the observers might say that things were were all calm, but uh, in reality things were far from calm. You know, essentially what we've been seeing is a an increase in the cost of financing, both in repo markets for liquid securities as well as in the commercial paper market and as well as in the offshore financing markets, notably the, the cross-currency basis market. You know, if I just, just try and unpack that, you know, essentially what, what happened was was a combination of factors. First being, as the, the market started to price you know, change expectations for, for monetary policy, the money market curve inverted. As that happens, uh, money market investors who are the marginal supplier of, of funding or liquidity into the, into the space typically in that situation tend to shorten the duration of their asset side portfolio. So differently, you know, given that they are focused highly on, you know, advertised yield rather than total return, their incentive is to keep their cash in the overnight repo market and not lend it to you know, somebody who wants to borrow it for three months or six months. And so the the cost of financing for people who do need to borrow for three months or six months definitionally had to increase. At the same time, what we started to see is, as we have these heightened levels of, of volatility in, in markets was a drain of kind of liquidity across the system. If you think about, you know, banks are posting and receiving margin to one another all, all the time uh, and alongside their large clients. You know, when I when I post margin, I, I take cash away from, from my repo desk. Uh, and while you then, if I'm posting to you, you then are able to give that cash to your repo desk there's some delay in that in that process. So the, to the a phrase that the the Fed have used historically, the velocity of reserves is not as high as it needs to be, and so ultimately that means that the system requires more reserves. This is then fi- the final thing I'll say on that. This is this is then filtered into the the treasury market. Normally, you have a, a cohort of investors who would would buy securities when they looked cheap and sell securities when they looked expensive or buy one security versus the underlying derivative. But given the focus on on ALM or asset liability management from both them and the banking sector, the you know, which which may appear, you know, somewhat virtuous, it, it almost becomes self fulfilling and, and starts to become somewhat pro cyclical. So so we've we've seen more and more pressure and, and the, the levels that we've reached in, in various funding markets is is reaching um, you know very, very stressed levels. So the treasury market is is typically one of the most is one of the largest, most liquid markets in the world. So the Fed obviously responded this week, injected capital into that market uh, amidst all the volatility. What, what signal were they trying to send, and and what's been the impact of that since the announcement? Yeah, great question. So 
know, the, the Fed have been, I think, grappling with, um, you know, what is it they need to do and how. We will all remember the period of time during September of last year when there was there was a lot of pressure on the repo markets, and the, and the Fed responded by injecting reserves into the system in order to help banks provide more lending to to those who who needed to uh, underwrite some dislocations. They've done they've done something very similar over the past few days. Uh, initially responding with a combination of around $300 billion of, of term operations. And then additionally, yesterday, they announced a, a total of $1.5 trillion of, of term operations across one month and three month lending. The response from the market has been interesting because you know, the, the take up of that $1.5 trillion of, of lending was less than $120 billion. And so I think the, the the highlights the challenges that the market faces, where the Fed were trying to just set both size and price by by offering as much possible cash as they could. They t- they say to the market, you don't need to pay in a competitive auction process. You don't need to pay more than than the kind of regular market clearing rate for this. So we want to really tighten the spreads between you know repo financing and monetary policy. But the banks are, are essentially responding by saying, increase our balance sheet. In order to take down your reserves and lend them out, and so, you know, what the the market is is crying out for is is a more direct injection. Now, literally in the in the last half an hour, the Fed have announced an additional uh, operation where, alongside their their temporary open market operations, they had plans to buy a combination of U.S. Treasury securities across the curve over the course of the next month. They have announced today that they will be buying thirty-seven billion dollars. Today alone, so instead of spreading out the the total operation across the uh, across the month, they're they're making making more decisive action today. So, so what what does that mean now for U.S. Treasuries and, and other in risk assets? You know, separating those two points, I think you know, for U.S. Treasuries, you would expect to see, and we've started to see a richening in U.S. Treasuries versus underlying derivatives. So, thirty-year swap spreads have have richened the best part of. 10 basis points, seven or eight basis points as we speak since the announcement. And so yeah, I think the, the, the Fed are, are doing what they can to, to get cash directly into, into the system. Uh, and, and that should help in, in some part. Although what it's really not doing, it's, it's pulling forward the injections. It's not necessarily injecting more cash. It's just saying instead of the system having to wait to get you know more cash into the system, we'll do it all today. So it, you know, it, it should help, but um, it's not obvious to me that it has, uh, you know, a, a drastic impact. The, the the reality is, you need, you know, more underwriting of 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 these these dislocations and more ability to do so. Where the Fed seemingly are, are the, uh, the only ones who can do that. In terms of risk assets, I think that that's separate and distinct, right? The while some of these dislocations have been driven by moves in risk assets and VAR shocks. Uh, driving behavior from investors either to reduce risk or not be willing to increase risk in, in these dislocations. When you when you remove these dislocations, that doesn't mean that uh, people's perception around you know what's going on in the world has necessarily changed, and that their their inclination to buy stocks has, has changed. So, how are your clients responding to this this very volatile environment? Are they are they just taking risk off, or are they active? I'd say it's a mix. You know, across across the different complexes we touch, there is certainly some risk reduction. People run, you know, very very tight risk limits across different institutions, and there, there's definitely been some degree of, of risk reduction. And, and when you have that in both volatile but also thin markets, that drives you know substantial dislocations. You've also seen you know beginnings of a rotation from some investors who are purely sourcing their their long dated duration and derivative product they are starting to to deploy some of their long dated duration into treasury product that's 
you know, essentially, you know, unwinding received fixed swaps and buying U.S. Treasuries to in order to rich rich in Treasuries versus swaps. And and as I said, from the from the money market investors, where a lot of this all all begins, it, it's it's an interesting set of circumstances where they're they're continuing to have you know large inflows as as risk assets go down. Obviously, the amount of cash held by money market funds increases because you and I take our money out of our S&P holdings and, and put it into our money fund. And so you had somewhere like $80 billion of cash into the money market complex, which is which is bearing on $4 trillion right now. But they're all continuing to keep their money very, very short. So their willingness to lend out will only change once the, as I started in the, in the preamble, um, once the money market curve uh, disinverts. So there are a few things I think the market is looking for from the combination of, of the Fed and, and U.S. Treasury. The market is crying out for a substantial interest rate cut from from the Fed. The market's pricing the best part of 100 basis points, or you know, 100 basis points over the next week. Basically down that, to zero. That, yeah, exactly. Moving the range to zero to 25 basis points, and that I think needs to happen in order for the the money market curve to disinvert. And then the question will be, what what other tools do the Fed have in order to fix what's going on in in short term credit markets? And so we would expect them to to use some combination of facilities that they used in during t- 2008, the, either the term auction facility or the term asset-backed lending facility in order to provide direct capital to, to short-term credit markets. At the same time, we're also watching very closely what's going on in offshore financing markets and the cross-currency basis, which is something that a lot of people will watch, where you know, the, the market is currently implying that for a Japanese bank to lend yen and borrow dollars, yeah, the average cost of that over the course of the last year was in the order of about 30 or 40 basis points. It's currently around 200 basis points. And the Fed have a facility that they, they have in place where they allow central banks to lend local currency and borrow dollars, and that's struck at 50 basis points. And, and though the market is pricing way beyond that because there appears to be some stigma attached to the use of, of, of swap lines. And so we think that the, the Fed should work collectively with global central banks to one of either or both change the rate that is charged on the FX swap lines, but also ensure that you know, other global central banks encourage the use of them in order to, to avoid these dislocations. Because the alternative of, of, of not doing these, two, these, these things is very impactful, way beyond you and I talking here about the funding markets and can start to affect the real economy. And, and the two places I, I'm, I'm most concerned are as, as follows. The first, if you continue to see these dislocations in the cost of borrowing for, for Japanese banks, then, then they will have no choice but to pay whatever it costs to borrow money in, in the short-term credit markets, in the commercial paper market, and that will start to have an impact on the cost of financing for, for non, non-financial corporates. The second is if you, if you continue to see these dislocations between uh, U.S. Treasuries and, and their underlying derivatives, the, the one that we watch very closely is, is the, the, the difference in valuation between the cheapest to deliver securities in U.S. Treasury futures contracts and the, the future itself, which exists really because there's a, a large buyer base of futures uh, in the asset management community who are hedging their long-dated liabilities with futures contracts and then investing their cash into, into credit product. And then they are able to buy those futures because somebody is selling them to them, obviously. The sellers are people who are buying U.S. Treasuries and then selling futures. 
And that spread, that, that implied financing spread, has typically been around 40 or 50 basis points. That's upwards of 200 basis points currently. And it's getting, getting to levels now where it makes more sense for the asset manager to stop buying futures contracts to hedge their duration, stop buying credit as a cash reinvestment, and deploy their cash entirely into U.S. Treasuries because U.S. Treasuries are looking extraordinarily cheap versus things around them. That would not be a good outcome for the functioning of the credit markets. And so while we we look and the things that we, we follow very closely in financial markets seem to be purely a financial instrument and not necessarily touching the real economy, the, the reality is that if things persist, then it could start to have a very marked impact on the real economy. So, Alex, you mentioned that the market's looking for some of the 08 playbook to come back, swap lines and, and term auction facilities and the like. Are there any, any other big measures that the Fed or Treasury might be considering or that the market is, is looking at more creative or newer versions of measures to, to restore some of the liquidity and stabilize markets? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, what, what, what they might consider and, and similar to what we've seen from other central banks over the last few days is, is some form of regulatory relief in the short term. You know, one of the, one of the things that this, the, the current market environment is highlighting is that there is some element of, of the, uh, the regulations which is pro-cyclical. And so to the extent that uh, banks were able to provide more lending into this environment rather than less lending in this environment would actually help. Um, that could be done through either a, a, a tweak to, to the liquidity coverage ratio, allowing banks to, to recompose their asset holdings away from liquid securities into credit product, at the same time as opening the, the facilities you just touched on, the discount window and uh, the term auction facility and the like. Alternatively, you know, some kind of uh, relief on, on the, new, the new proposed stress capital buffer uh, in order to allow banks to grow their footprint and, and be more, more present and, and providing intermediation capacity, which is essentially what is constrained currently. Interesting. There's all, I also saw some talk about buying off the run bonds. That was done when the U.S. Treasury is running a surplus. Is, is there any talk of that coming back? There's been some recent commentary around that. You know, the, 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 the meaningful dislocation in the Treasury complex is, is exactly in that space, Jake, in, in the off the run space. So as the fiscal goals from the U.S. government have been as they are, and we've had you know, heightened levels of, of issuance, by definition, that creates more and more off the run securities. Because every time you issue a, a 10-year security, then a year later, it's it's now no longer the on-the-run security, or an auction cycle later, it's no longer the on-the-run security. And as you get more and more off the runs, and most liquidity continues to exist in on-the-runs, then the, these dislocations in, in periods of stress or in periods where private capital is unable or unwilling to underwrite, they become more and more illiquid. And so recommendations around the U.S. Treasury being able to buy back some of the off-the-run off securities and then issuing new on-the-run securities would, would certainly help uh, remove some of these dislocations. Well, Alex, a fascinating discussion. Thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope we won't have to have you back regularly, but but it was great to have you on. Um, I'd, I'd be happy to. Yeah, thank you. That's and, all. And I agree. Let's hope not. Yeah, that's all for this week's market update on exchanges at Goldman Sachs. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more updates on the volatility. In case you missed it, listen to this past Tuesday's episode with Jeff Curry of Goldman Sachs Research, who explains what's going on in the oil market after the sharp drop in prices there. This podcast was recorded on March 13th, 2020. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. 
The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.